You ready? Showtime. On May 3rd, summer starts with the fall guy. Let's do it later. Let's drink a spicy margarita. Make some bad decisions. Yes! Audiences are falling in love with the most entertaining film of the year. Fall guy. Fall guy. Fall guy. That's what the poster said. See Ryan Gosling and Emily Blunt in the movie critics say exists to make you happy. Trying to make it out? Because nope. I don't either. It's not what I'm into right now. What are you into? Talking. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the Fall Guy. Only in theaters May 3rd. Read it PG-13. It's only a kick. A jump. A block. It's only a serve. It's only a tackle. A run. It's only for the fans. After all, it's only pressure. You got this. Adidas. And we are live with the Standing Room Spartans podcast, the post-NFL draft Standing Room Spartans podcast. Kevin Parker here, Scott Martin with me. Uh, we'll, we'll touch on the draft a little bit. Obviously, as you know, by the time you're listening to this, the 80-year Michigan State draft streak has ended. Uh, it, was, it was a good run. It was nice being on that graphic every pre-draft process, but Unfortunately, that comes to an end. The whole uh, a new streak will start next year, hopefully. But we'll we'll touch on that. We got some uh, transfers to deal with. We'll hit on those, and then we have a fun topic today. We're gonna do a little draft of our own. Um, we're gonna snake draft the guys that are on the roster, the guys that will be suiting up in 2021 and beyond, that we believe to be most likely to be NFL draft picks by the time their career ends. So we'll have some fun with that. Scott, the draft has concluded. It's Sunday. Um, I guess, like, what are your general thoughts on MSU, on the Lions, on the draft as a whole? Uh, we'll we'll kind of start there. Yeah, I mean, definitely a bummer that the streak ended. Um, but, I mean, from a Lions perspective, I think they did pretty well building in the trenches, got some – some kneecap eaters for sure. Uh, definitely a physical approach. Definitely not too worried about exact positional needs at this point, which I think is the right way to do things given where they're at in this quote unquote rebuild. Well, I guess that's a retooling, right? As Stan Campbell said. Um, no, but as far as Michigan State goes, it's, it's a bummer. The streak ended. I thought somebody, one of the three might sneak in, you know, have, have one suitor in like the seventh round or something, but it was still felt like a long shot kind of from the beginning. So um, bummer. I saw a tweet that said, you know, and I kind of agree with it. It said it was basically the cap to D'Antonio's legacy here. And it felt kind of fitting. I don't, I mean, you can, whether it's fair or not, it felt fitting to me kind of the lasting remnants of his later recruiting classes and, and just the general stagnation of the program as he transitioned out. So in any event, I think we're in a good place to move on from it with Mel Tucker, obviously bringing a lot of excitement into the program right now and uh, time to start a new streak. Yeah, it's, it, it is, you mentioned with Antonio, I mean, you, you're getting, I guess in this draft class, kind of the scraps of the 2016 class uh 2017 guys like it it's just the last couple years there just didn't really bring in a whole lot of talent to work with so mel obviously just re-flipping this whole thing around and and trying to flip this roster on its head in one off season but yeah i look we we talked about this let's go way back to postseason Shakur Brown declares for the NFL draft we sat here on this podcast and I said at that time there was a mistake uh and that I didn't think he was an NFL player I, I just I I went back so if you you can find this tweet it's at standing room MSU there's a, a website mock draftable and they basically take all the the combine data the pro day data from this year because we didn't have a combine uh and and they'll put together everything your height your weight your 40 your 10 yard split your vertical jump uh, your wingspan all that kind of stuff 
and they'll put it all together for every position. So you can search any players in there and it will give you how you stack up against the other players at your position uh, across the history of, of their database. And for, for all three of the MSU guys, it was brutal. Uh, but I guess for everyone out there, that's very surprised that Shakur Brown seemed to be the one that, that MSU fans were latching onto. For those of you wondering why he wasn't drafted, I think it's, it's pretty simple. There, you're going to have a GM, you're going to have a, a scout, let's say, who, who likes Shakur Brown's tape. He's going to go to the measurables and he's going to have to look his GM in the eye and say, there's this kid, love his tape. He's five foot nine. He's got short arms. His, his arm length was in the seventh percentile of, of all corners at, at uh, the, in the history. He ran a four, six, four forty, which is the seventh percentile. He ran uh, he's in the third percentile in the 10 yard split. He's in the 13th percentile in the broad jump, which basically all goes to show you he's he's pretty small. Uh, he's got short arms. He's not very fast and he's not very explosive, but we really like his tape. Uh, you're not going to win that battle when, when people's jobs are on the line with each and every one of these picks. I, I just don't see that as a reality. And this is nothing against Shakur Brown. I hope the best for him. He signed a contract already with the Pittsburgh Steelers. We'll see if he can go out there and make a name for himself, but I just didn't see it from the get go. I'm not shocked that he wasn't drafted. Unfortunately, I, I know it sucks and I, I'm obviously rooting for him, but uh, yeah, it, it was tough. Naquan Jones was the one I thought was a little more likely. Um, he, he had the size. He's got the, the long arms, 300 pounds. I, I, I thought, his testing was pretty bad as well, but at defensive tackle, not quite as important as a position like corner where you're out in space on uh, Antoine Simmons was just a guy who testing was pretty bad. He's undersized for a linebacker, but, but he was just so good that thought maybe somebody would take a shot on him as we're recording. Nobody has signed him yet um, as an undrafted free agent. So hopefully he gets his shot. We're all rooting for Antoine, just an awesome kid, awesome football player, but yeah, the, the draft streak comes to an end. As far as the rest of the draft goes, I mean, some some things to take away as far as like Big Ten guys, you know, guys that we've seen. Justin Fields going uh, to Chicago slid a, bit, a, little, a little bit further than I thought he was going to, the fourth quarterback taken. I still don't know how these NFL GMs can look at this situation and say, yeah, Zach Wilson, this kid from BYU, he's better than Justin Fields. Trey Lance, this kid from North Dakota State, he's better than Justin. I just, I don't get it. Maybe I'm missing something, but uh, I thought Justin Fields was a clear number two quarterback in the class behind Trevor Lawrence, but apparently uh, apparently he's not, and I think the Bears are getting a steal there. Yeah, I mean, on on that case, I think it it's probably – more than anything, just due to the exposure that he got as Ohio State's quarterback. I mean, Trevor Lawrence was the clear-cut number one. I don't think anybody's arguing that. But Justin Fields was in a spotlight every snap he ever took at Ohio State. You see a lot of the good, but also if he makes one mistake, everybody sees it. And then you've got guys like Zach Wilson and, and Trey Lance, where maybe you're not watching his game, but you're seeing these highlights, right? So you see the flashy plays, but you're not sitting down to – to see every play. And I think some of these teams for Justin Fields watched him so much over the last couple of years that they've, they've seen enough mistakes from him to kind of detract from his overall quality, but I'm, I'm in the same boat as you. I mean, we watched him and he doesn't make a lot of mistakes and he makes a lot of really hard plays look really, I wouldn't say really easy, but a lot easier than, than they should. And uh, yeah, I think Chicago got a steal. We'll see. I mean, if they screw him up like they did with Trubisky and everybody else, they I don't know. I, I don't know. It'd be frustrating because I want Fields to be good. I like the way he plays. I want him to uh, to put a good product out there at the next I, level. Since the, the pre-draft stuff about him where, where everybody was right, he's, does he have the work ethic? Does he have the, uh, the intangibles? To be honest, um, I I won't go too deep into this. I think there's a pretty clear reason why some of that stuff was happening. 
I think if he was a white quarterback, we wouldn't be having some of those conversations, but that's, you know, maybe this isn't the time and place for that. Um, I, I just think he's, he's a hell of a football player and I'm going to be rooting for him. Cause I thought a lot of that pre-draft stuff was nonsense and, and anybody that watched him would agree. Um, other than that, like it, it was an interesting draft. I, I think there's one kind of big picture thing that I, I thought was interesting. So I went, I went, uh, and found the, how many players were taken at each position. And I think there's an interesting point to be made here because for forever, we've talked about building through the trenches and football is one through the trenches and, and all of this. Well, there were 36 wide receivers taken. There were 46 offensive linemen at all, at all positions taken. So you're looking at almost as many wide receivers as there were offensive tackles, offensive guards, and centers combined. There were 59 defensive backs taken. There were 44 defensive linemen taken. And I think this is just a broader point to say, this is the direction football's going, uh, whether you like it or not. It's, it's a game that's played out in space. It's a game that's played with athletes on the outside. So I think, you know, to kind of bring that back to Michigan state and college football, I think we're going to start seeing that in recruiting as well. And Mel Tucker in this uh, 2021 class, we see some of these kind of project type athletes and we do see a lot of guys in the trenches. Um, the 2022 class so far to this point, it's, it's a lot of guys in the trenches. Uh, a couple athletes are starting to trickle in here with Malik Spencer, Tyrell Henry, but I, I think that's just a trend of where football's going. So keep an eye on that with the NFL draft. Keep an eye on that with uh, recruiting as well. Just the way that football is evolving and everything's being played out in space and these linemen, they're always going to be valuable, uh, especially to certain teams. But the more that we evolve and the more that time goes on, the more important it is to get a playmaking dynamic wide receiver, the more important it is to get you know, uh, uh, an athletic defensive back that can stick with some of these guys. So I, I thought that was an interesting point kind of going back and, and rewatching. We see, we saw what, like four or five of these wide receivers, six wide receivers go off the board in the first round, another like seven or eight in the second round. I mean, it's just the direction it's going, whether you like it or not. Which excites me for Michigan State football, uh, bringing it back to college, because we have a lot of receivers to be excited about or receiving options. I would say there's a couple tight ends in there, too, that that could really if things uh, align could really be exciting to watch. So um, obviously we'll be getting into that as the offseason goes on. We'll do our wide receiver position group preview uh, probably sometime around fall camp along with the rest of the position groups. But I'm really excited for this receiving core, not just the guys at the top, but all the way throughout the list. I think there's uh, names that could pop off uh, at any given time. A lot of guys that we haven't seen a lot of, you know, a guy like Terry Lockett comes to mind where good recruit, seen a few flashes, just hasn't really had enough snaps to know what we've got there. Uh, there's a few guys like that and a couple guys coming in too that could uh, could make a splash. Yeah, so bringing it back to MSU, bringing it back to the pod here, a couple Michigan State news and notes here from the week that we want to make sure that we hit on before we get to our main uh, snake draft here today. So there was a uh, post-spring game, there was an exodus of uh, Michigan State players heading to the transfer portal. So we'll list them off here really quick. We got Justin Stevens, the offensive lineman, Jack Olson, the kicker. Tommy Guajardo, the tight end, Damon Kaler, the offensive lineman, Diari Todd from the defensive line, Bryce Eimer, Chris Mayfield, another defensive lineman, Jaya Robinson, and Theo Day, the quarterback. Uh, Chris Mayfield, I'll start there, was a guy that I mentioned on the post-spring game, but I was like, hey, keep an eye on this guy, you know, write his name down for some time in the future. The next day is in the transfer portal, so, you know, F me, I guess. Um, any anybody else stick out there though, Scott? Anybody that you're you're sad to see go, or or is this a bunch of just really not impact guys? No, we were talking about it a little bit before we got on here. Uh, none of these names are particularly surprising. None of them really had any buzz 
going on other than Mayfield from Kevin. Um, but I think Theo Day is worth a note. Obviously, quarterbacks always get the attention. Um, brings a close to his Michigan State story. Uh, came in as a physical prospect with a great frame and, you know, kind of a project in the technicalities of the game. And really just never seemed to to get his footing in the program. Never really had a lot of buzz um, I mean, I know camp last year, there was a the three-way QB competition, but even then, by the time it really heated up, it was kind of rocky and, and thorn last year. And uh, yeah, I mean, we'll see. He's still, you know, a big guy with a strong arm and I think he'll find a home somewhere, whether or not he starts, I'm not sure. But uh, yeah, I thought it was worth a note just given his name's popped up um, over the past couple of years, a few times. Yeah, Theo Day, not surprising. We we talked about it even for the last couple of weeks. Like it's, it seemed like it was only a matter of time. So wish him well. We'll see where he ends up. We'll see where all these guys end up. Um, but yeah, like you said, not really terribly surprising for, for too many of them. Um, other than that, we did bring in a couple guys. We got Michael Donovan. I want to give a shout out. He's a long snapper. He's a preferred walk-on. You're probably not going to hear his name anymore, but go take a look at his commitment photo because that dude, uh, he, he needs to share the hot leaf with the rest of us, if you know <laughs> what I'm talking about. Uh, he, His eyes couldn't be less open in that picture, uh, which was hilarious. I'm not say he probably wasn't high for the picture but uh definitely looked like it uh but the big news was Quavaris Crouch somebody that we we teased on the podcast saying hey there's a little bit of buzz for this guy uh linebacker out of Tennessee started the his entire sophomore year last year uh started one game as well as a freshman played a lot as a freshman as well as a true freshman on a on a Tennessee team that wasn't very good but on a linebacker group that has had a lot of noise and, and has had a lot of outgoing transfers, but Quiveros Crouch, I think somebody who could come in start right away. Uh, if, if he's given that opportunity, we talk about how the linebacker is such a weak spot on the team. We've been needing to fill that uh, one of those two starting starting guys with somebody we feel a little bit more confident in and uh, Quiveros Crouch, somebody that I think could be one of those guys. Yeah, for me, I mean, I think this really rounds out uh, a group that you can at least look at the season and say, with some confidence, we'll have a serviceable unit at linebacker. You know, when we started this whole offseason process, it was kind of looking like um, Chase Klein and Noah Harvey were the two starters because they were the only guys that really remotely showed enough to to expect that from them. And that was kind of a startling, you know, thought um and now we've got i think those two guys are still in the mix they're not usurped you know they'll be competing for those spots and they're no, still and I the think starters today it's important to know like right like you said that as of today if we start if we had a game tomorrow those two are probably still starting right none of these guys yeah. have been on campus yet so yeah but with the addition of tank brown and quaveris crouch i think that's two more names that will come into fall camp looking for a starting job and have a chance not on campus yet either so now you've got four or five names that i mean we don't know a lot about at least three of them and what they'll look like on the field but their names you could say you wouldn't be particularly surprised if they want a starting job in camp and that's you know having that many options in a two linebacker scheme is a lot more comforting than relying on noah harvey and chase klein to both be serviceable big 10 full-time linebackers this year yeah that's going to be probably the group that i'm most interested to to follow come fall camp obviously all eyes are going to be on the quarterback spot but the linebackers i think are going to be really interested to see who's going to come out of that competition alive and start week one against northwestern but uh any anything else here before we get to our main topic want to make sure we're not missing any news and notes here from the week i don't think we are uh no the only one that that caused some chatter i don't think we touched on was michigan's position coach i think he was like a defensive assistant or something tweeting uh some snarky comment about msu's 
draft streak coming to an end. I think it just said you hate to see it or something. And Twitter, MSU Twitter, went into a full nuclear meltdown. He over just it. got eviscerated quickly. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. I mean, great bulletin board material. Jaden Reed quote tweeted it and just said bet. Um, which you know, to that degree, I like it. A little bit of you know friendly off-season competition coming from both programs it's healthy but man the fan base just it struck a nerve and uh yeah his Michigan mentions State must have been Twitter unbearable gets feisty sometimes man it's yeah <laughs> it's not one you want to mess with my my favorite thing so like you said some position coach he, he tweeted this position assistant I think even yeah I hate to see it a Michigan fan commented on this and say of course the michigan state fans okay yeah we still beat you no no, no. a michigan fan commented yet they still beat our ass at home you might want to delete this it's so embarrassing being a michigan football fan the weird things we celebrate like a punter we are the laughing stock of college football i wish we'd hire some no-name coach uh with no expectations our record would be the same but maybe people would stop mocking us and, and this same position coach uh, responded to him, hey, Brett, have some pride and quit crying on my post. I've been here since February, and my only focus is winning the Big Ten. If you don't have that same mindset, then peace, go blue. And it's like, dude, you got one sensible Michigan fan here who's trying to help you out, man. Don't, don't, don't blacklist these Michigan fans who are actually like reasonable people. Uh, few and far between and you got to treat them well uh, well we'll welcome them with open arms over here well maybe not probably not but um yeah anyway love like i said love the the off-season competition you know get the fire burning a little bit while while things are quiet coming out of spring football now we've got let's see it's the start of may two months before fall camp when is it july early july yeah yeah all right, so we'll have to get creative. We are working our way through Shrek. Kevin, I think you're two movies down now? Yep, two movies down. Caught the second one yesterday. I got some catching up to do. I'm still only through one, but we will get to that. We got time here this summer, so we will get to it. Yeah, so today's topic, uh, I wanted to do something draft-related, right? I have some fun with with that kind of content, and trying to figure out what to do and, and stumbled across what I think is a fun topic, right? Related to, to what happened over the course of this weekend here. Basically what Scott and I are going to do is we are going to have a little draft of our own. So the two of us are going to be drafting the guys that are on the roster, regardless of their class, regardless of their position that we think are most likely to be NFL draft picks, plain and simple. Take all the guys on the roster Make your big board and and try to think who you believe to be the most. You are the most confident this guy will get drafted to the NFL. Maybe he's a freshman right now, and you're just so confident in the talent. Maybe he's a senior. You've seen enough. You're like, he's, he's going to be an NFL draft pick. So as you're sitting in your car, as you're sitting in the office, and you're, you're kind of hearing us list off our names, try to think about who you think is most likely to be an NFL draft pick come the end of their career could be an incoming transfer, could be an incoming freshman, could be somebody that's on the roster right now. If you want to send us a tweet at standing room MSU at Spartan Martin 18, let us know who you think is, it would be the top of your big board. Let us know who you think we missed come to the end of this and uh, we'll, we'll have some fun with that. But yeah, uh, Scott, I don't have any coins or anything around here. We can try to figure Uh-oh. out who would get the first pick here. Let me, uh, rock, paper, scissors. We could do a little live single rock, paper, scissors. rock, paper, yeah. scissors on shoot. I don't know how the timing will work out, but um, <laughs> we got I'll a pretty go good on. zoom feed here. So are we doing <laughs> snake drafts? So one person drafts one and then the next person gets two picks. I mean, I'm not that worried about it. The last time we just and did forth. one and one. Um, let's let's do let's do a snake draft style. All so right. one person we'll gets snake. one, next person gets two and three, and so on and so on. So, all right, little rock paper scissors here, live oh, on the on the pod. Rock, rock paper, paper scissors, scissors. shoot. shoot. <laughs> 
That was brutal, but you All got right, me. So the timing is terrible. I had scissors, Kevin had paper. So I'll go first. Scott gets the first pick here. So uh, okay, the good so thing I... is the last time we did a draft, there was a lot of strategy involved in terms of what position. This is basically just take your big board and it doesn't really matter what yep. positions you're going after or anything. So so I was go- coming into this process. We knew we were, we said five rounds, right? So we'll each pick five, but I was thinking, okay, so I need to get my list of five. And that, that's pretty reasonable. There's, you can get to five names. Then I realized I, we need 10 because obviously Kevin will be picking, taking, potentially taking guys off my board. And before we get into this, I will say the later rounds are going to get a little bit scrappy kind of those intuition picks it's a, a little, little bit. dicey yeah. yeah so we'll see where we where we where we go i'm as, interested as to we see... mentioned at the beginning of the podcast the last couple d'antonio recruiting classes <laughs> which are the guys that we're picking from as far as the upperclassmen go um a little dicey and we are including incoming transfers and incoming freshmen so anyone who's in the program this fall this coming yep. fall qualifies so we'll start there Round one, pick one. I'm going with the guy who's been getting a ton of glowing reviews out of the program right now, Jalen Hunt. Um, very athletic with great size. Uh, you can tell looking at him, you know, he's not your typical hole plugging, you know, bathtub shaped defensive tackle. He's big, he's tall, he's relatively lean for his size and his position. Um, and he blows dudes up in one-on-one situations. I think he's going to have a huge year this year, potentially declaring for the NFL after his junior season. Uh, we'll see how that pans out, but he's my number one, most confident. This guy's going to end up getting his name called in the draft. I had him number two and I thought it was, it might've been even a little high, but like you said, the, the new, the, the news that's coming out of the program constantly is that Jalen Hunt is just a stud. Even going back to last fall, where it was just constant praise for this kid who we haven't seen a lot of. He's played five games. And that, yeah, to, to, for us to both be that confident that he will finish his career as an NFL player is, is pretty surprising. But yeah, I had him number two, so I, I can't hate the pick. All right, so round one pick two yeah so i got two picks here um my number one on my board is still here so i'm going to take him pretty easy i think that cornerback kalon gervin is an nfl player he's a redshirt junior right now he's he can come out after next year he's only started seven games right he started every game last year that he was available for he missed the indiana game And then he started one game back in 2019 against Ohio state, but everything I saw from him last year, I I thought again, going back to Shakur Brown, I thought Kalen Gervin was the best corner on the roster last year. So I think with his athletic profile, with his recruiting profile, even, I mean, that stuff matters to a certain extent, but he's not going to run a four, six, five, right? I think Kalen Gervin's more of a high four, four at, at worst, a low four, five guy, He's got the athleticism and he's just technically sound. I I constantly saw him blanketing dudes. Quarterbacks were very rarely throwing it his way. And when they did, he, he had some good ball production. He knocked down four or five balls last year alone. So Kalon Gervin, my number one pick, he was number one on my board. He's a guy I'm really confident. I think will be an NFL pick. And then the other part of this too is you go back to this draft that just happened again, there, there were 38 cornerbacks that were drafted. So as far as a position where you're going to give yourself the best shot to get drafted, there were more corners drafted than any other position. So I'm going to go Kalon Gervin with my first pick here. Uh, any, any comments on that? I am also confident he will be in the NFL. He's actually my number three. Um, I admittedly did not sit here and um, really stress the order of my big board as much as I could have. Um, I think the top three or four are are all pretty high confidence level, but Kalen Gervin definitely up there. I'm a little wigged out after this draft season, I think of like (laughs) corners and (laughs) after what happened to Shakur Brown, I'm like, what what do I actually know? How good are these guys? But I think Gervin has been the the number one corner in the group for this will be the second plus year 
Um, and I think he's, like you said, a little bit better NFL prospect. I think one of the reasons Shakur Brown had such a good season last year is because when quarterbacks were forced to throw into tight areas, they looked away from Kalen Gervin first and threw the other direction. Not to say Brown didn't earn his his productivity, but I think he he probably had a few more opportunities just given where the quarterback was looking. Yeah. And again, for, for people who have been listening to the podcast, like, you know, this is, this isn't recent news for us. Uh, we've, we've loved Kalon Gervin from the start of last year. And I think he's just a, an absolute stud. So he's my first pick. My second pick here might be a little bit of a surprise. I'm sticking in the defensive backfield here. I am going with, I'm just calling him defensive back. I'm going with Angelo Gross. Oh, wow! I okay. saw enough from Angelo gross last year that I think by the time he finishes his career, the NFL teams are going to love what he brings as far as versatility. You could play him at a nickel. We'll see this year. What he, what he ends up doing. You could play him at a safety spot. Uh, if he, if he continues to develop, you might be able to play him outside as well. We'll see how his career fi- finishes up, but Started four games last year as a true freshman. He he took on everything that was thrown his way and, and just continued to excel. He was somebody that we brought up on the pod after every single game. Like, holy cow, did you see that play that Angelo Gross made? Did you see him chase down that receiver and, and take him down on the sideline and make a play on the ball? He had a, a quarterback hurry, a couple tackles for loss. Like He was all over the field last year. And I know it's early. We haven't seen a whole lot from him, but we're talking about guys like Jalen Hunt and Kalen Gervin as well that we haven't seen a whole lot from either. I think Angelo Gross, the versatility, uh, his just knack for being around the ball. I think he's an NFL player. I respect it. I thought about him. I did not have him on my list basically because I still think he's unproven to the point of putting that much confidence behind him. Um, I, I don't think it's out of the realm of possibility. I don't even think it's unlikely necessarily just personally. I haven't seen enough to feel ready to put that stamp on him yet. He did have a few plays last year where he got beat. He makes a lot of good plays, a couple plays that are just absolute head scratchers. And obviously he's young plenty of time to to kind of fill in the gaps and i expect that's what will happen but just want to see you know positive trend coming into his second season before i uh i'm ready to throw my name on that but uh but i like to pick i think very likely and, and like you said if he can put on a few pounds of muscle to play near the box in the nfl uh, i think he could play a lot of different positions up high at safety down low as a nickel corner or a you know a hybrid um, but I like the pick. Yeah. I think just seeing that versatility as a true freshman, I, I just get the feeling that that's the type of player that NFL teams really like. So I think he's going to be, I, I, I really loved him last year and I think he's just going to continue to get better. I like it. I like it. All right. Well, finishing out the second round, I am going to keep it on defense and I'm going to keep it with the relative youngsters. I am going to take Michael Fletcher. I still kind of unproven as well, uh, but his physical profile, given that he's still relatively young in his career at Michigan state is really impressive. Again, we've said it before, kind of the first guy off the bus um, kind of build. He's made a few plays, just really explosive edge rushing plays. Obviously it's a popular position in the NFL right now, especially if you have a, a solid repertoire of pass rushing uh, moves. I think he's going to get there. I think he's good enough that even if he's not an every down back, he could be drafted as a good pass rush specialist if he continues to develop. Um, and it's, that's not an area that NFL teams are afraid to draft right now. So yeah, I think Michael Fletcher, he's got a lot of development left to do kind of like Angelo gross and that he's, he's definitely got his work cut out for him, but I think the future is bright for this young man. I I had Michael Fletcher on here as well, a little bit lower down the list, but you can't teach six foot six with long arms. Uh, that's just, I think something that's going to work in his favor. And the other thing I think maybe Scott, you put some thought into this. Uh, maybe you didn't, but it was something I had in the back of my mind as I was putting this list together 
is Ron Burton, the defensive line coach, and um, Harlan Barnett, the defensive backs coach. They're two guys who are proven at putting guys into the NFL. So when when it came down to a tie, I don't know, this guy or this guy, right? We have some position coaches who are a bit more unproven. And then we have guys like Harlan Barnett who just keep putting dudes in the NFL year after year. So I think with Michael Fletcher's size and athleticism, he's just a ball of clay. And I think by the time he finishes his career, Ron Burton will make something of him. So I'm, I'm with you there. I was a little bit further down my board, but I, I did have him. He was going to be picked one way or another. All right. Yeah, this is an interesting one. I feel like when we did our, what was the last draft exercise we did? We were drafting our the decade draft. Essentially for yeah. The decade draft. It felt like there was a lot of cohesion. This one's a little different. It's kind of uh, put in a blender. We've got different orders. I like The other it, but... thing now, like, I don't know who your next guy is going to be, but four picks down. And I think they've started like a combined 15 games. <laughs> it's We're, we're yeah. digging into the All young on guys defense. here. <laughs> All on defense too, but not yeah. for long. So I'm going to crack into the offense here. First pick of the third round. I'm going with their wide receiver. Um, I honestly, I still struggle with who my favorite wide receiver is. On I have team. them as an A and B. That's a coin yeah. flip. Yeah, but I I ended up going with Jaden Reed uh, over Jalen Naylor. They're both on my list, but Jaden Reed, I had him a little bit higher. I think his change of pace ability, his route running, and his I think he has a slight edge in physicality to Jalen Naylor as well. I think those things bode well. He's a little bit more multidimensional, um, which given they're not, you know, huge guys. I think they're both like six foot, six one. Um, they're gonna have to be able to do those smaller things well. I think Jaden Reed just is is a little bit more well rounded, maybe not quite as much top end speed, but I really like him. I think he's a gadget wide receiver that you can line up in a lot of different areas on the field and, and trust him to run strong routes and uh, get separation with good hands. So he's up there. He's my top offensive NFL prospect in the program right now. I had the same. Uh, he would have been my next pick as well. Freshman All-American started every game last year, 33 catches 407 yards and three touchdowns. If you average that out to a full season, he would be sitting at 61 catches, 750 yards, five or six touchdowns. So really good production from his first year at MSU, first year in a power five uh, program. I think he's just going to keep getting better. He, he also brings you that kick returner uh, capability. He was fourth in the conference in yards per return. So Jaden Reed uh, stud. Yeah. I, I think that's a good pick there. He would have been my next pick as well. So right. second pick of the third round here, I guess I'll just take the other receiver uh, cause he's next on the board here. So Jalen Naylor, right? Redshirt junior 12 starts at MSU uh, basically has been the big play guy, but has struggled to stay healthy. And I think when we talk about, the the draft that's going to be something that matters and when you're looking at a guy let's be honest Jalen Naylor Jaden Reed these probably aren't going to be first second round picks right so when you're looking at guys in the third fourth fifth round you're you're going to be hesitant to pull the trigger on a guy with with an extensive injury history and that makes me a little bit nervous with Jalen Naylor but we've seen what he is on the field and that's just an absolute game breaker He's had plays in his college career of 75 yards, 75 yards. Yep. He did it twice. 57 yards, 56 yards, 53 yards, 48 yards, 45 yards, just a big play threat. Anytime he touches the ball, you have to think about it. And again, you look at the way the NFL is going. You look at how much football in general values guys who can just create damage in space. And Jalen Naylor is absolutely one of those guys. Again, it's a 1A, 1B thing with Naylor and Reed. I, I think it's a, a hard decision, but I think Naylor does give you that deep threat, deep play threat that Jaden Reed, I think, also brings, but not quite to the same level as Naylor. So I think he, he will be an NFL player. The injury history worries me a little bit as far as like a draft stock if we're projecting this forward, though. Yeah, he was next on my list as well, one notch below Reed. So, um, yeah, I mean, you can't teach speed. 
it's hard to find guys with that kind of speed and he uses it well. Um, and, and he can be, he can take the top off even an NFL, that kind of speed, he can take a top off of an NFL defense as well. So um, I think that's attractive. The injury history sure could slide him back a little bit, but um, at the end of the day, there's only so many guys that can move that fast. And, and that's an attractive quality, no matter what position, what your history is um, it'll take you a long way. Uh, and that's not the only part of his game, but it is, I think the most attractive part of his game. And next up here to start the fourth round of, of picks again, we're going just five rounds here. So we'll each end up with five picks. I will go with another offensive player. I'll go with another offensive skill player with incoming transfer Kenneth Walker running back from Wake Forest, redshirt sophomore, has over a thousand yards and 17 touchdowns in 20 games at Wake Forest. And by again, like we go back to Jalen Hunt, right? Why was he a guy that we were so high on? It's because the staff is so high on him. And everything we've heard from players, from the staff coming out of spring game or spring practices was like, holy cow, this Kenneth Walker kid's the real deal. I mean, you, they talked to players, they were interviewing guys about like, hey, who stood out for you so far? And, and, and he was brought up almost every time that conversation was had. And I, again, I, I love doing this because of the short season last year. And some guys, you, you would just love to see like, what would it have been like in a full season? Kenneth Walker last season, it played only seven games. If we averaged it out to a 13 game season. And again, I know, you know, a lot of this, he might've slowed down on the touchdowns, especially because he had 13 touchdowns in seven games. Oh my God. Uh, a seven game season would, or a 13 game season would have been 221 carries, 1,075 yards, and 24 touchdowns. <laughs> now, wow. would he have realistically kept up that touchdown pace? Probably not. But if you're looking at 1,000 yards and 16 touchdowns, right? 18 touchdowns, that's a hell of a season, especially for a team like Wake Forest. So I think Kenneth Walker is a guy uh, who, who has some pretty special ability and somebody who I think – if, if we use them the right way, can, can work himself into the NFL. This, I guess this is the kind of part of the draft where Scott, you mentioned where am I super confident about this? Not really. Uh, it's, it's a bit of a projection for some of these guys, especially this part of the draft for me, but uh, I do feel pretty good about the, the skill level of, of Kenneth Walker and all the comments that have been coming out of the spring. Yeah, I like that one. I don't have him on my list. I was a little bit wary with all these incoming guys, you know, you just don't know. And running back is such a hit or miss position in the draft. It's a hit or miss position, even predicting going into a season. I mean, look at last year, we were sitting there saying, is Eli Collins going right. to leave after his junior year? <laughs> that was definitely in the, in the back of my head making this pick. Yeah. So, I mean, I don't think it's, I don't think it's a bad pick. I just, running backs they scare me and and I don't know what Walker will be outside of that strange wake forest like delay option I don't even know what they call it but it's a it's a weird scheme I want to see him in a, in a more traditional scheme um just because my eyes will then understand what I'm looking at <laughs> uh but anyway I like the pick uh you're right we're kind of in that part of the draft where I don't feel super confident but we're, we're gonna keep rolling through the big board uh familiar name here for me Xavier Henderson safety is an intriguing one. Um, there's not a whole lot of safety jobs, obviously in the NFL, and they don't carry as many safeties as they do other defensive positions like corner and linebacker. So it, it's not always the easiest place to find a home in the NFL. Um, but like we said, we're, we're kind of looking at what's left here and Xavier Henderson, he has the experience, he has leadership uh, qualities that, you know, have been, widely shared and uh and he's got talent i think he needs to have a really good year this year obviously um we we've said before we didn't necessarily see as much as we were hoping for out of him last season but i still think he has that in him he's going to be on the field every game he's going to start every game so um yeah xavier henderson i don't know that's the second pick of the fourth round right yeah so we'll each have one more pick here yeah, Xavier Henderson, he led the team in snaps last year. He was second on the team in 2019. 
20 consecutive starts. He's played all 33 games that he has been eligible to play. And you see that and say he's really important for this defense. But I just, he hasn't been the type of playmaker that we were kind of waiting for. for. I, I just, when you, when you think about like a, a guy like Angelo Gross, who I mentioned, he was just flying around the field making plays. And Xavier Henderson, it, it just seems like he, he'll go out there, he'll do his job. He's not going to give up many big plays, but he, he also hasn't really been a guy that's creating many big plays either. And, and I think there's something to that. Like you said, I, I think he's going to have to have a big year this year, but the talents there, the experience is there. It's a good player. Just, just going to need to see a little bit more of those kind of special plays for, for me to feel pretty comfortable about him being an NFL guy. Yep. Yeah. He'll, he'll need a big year. Um, this cover three maybe was, you know, tough for him to get his legs under uh, last season. We'll see if he looks more comfortable there. Uh, I do think the cover three allows one of the safeties to play a very free brand of football. Uh, obviously you got the one guy over the top, but you got another guy in the box just running around trying to get a nose for the football. So hopefully we'll see some plays out of him. Um, but yeah, he's got the experience and we'll see. So with the first pick in the fifth round, I mean, this is like playing darts with a blindfold on. It feels <laughs> like at this point, we really fell off a cliff. I've got four names uh, that I'm trying to pick from. None of them, I think, have probably even set foot on MSU's campus yet. Um, I've got three, no, two incoming transfers to pick from and two incoming freshmen to pick from. <laughs> And I do not know where to go. I'm going to go with so we, my, we each, Okay, I was going to say we each have one more pick and I have two incoming transfers on here, but one of them is already on campus. So, okay. So I'm going with one of the freshmen, Ma'a Nauteote. Uh, he sounds very athletic. He's got the frame to be one of the more modern prototype NFL linebackers. He's got speed. Um, I think. I don't, I mean, honestly, he doesn't even have that much film. He, he's got great film. It's a, it's a shot in the dark. I just have a really good feeling about this kid. He seems to have a good mentality. I think he's going to be all over the field in this two linebacker scheme. Once, you know, his time comes in the program. And I think he's uh, I think he'll make it, but like I said, I got four names on here. <laughs> any of them could go any direction. I'm really excited about all four. Yeah, I'll I'll hit my last one and then we'll kind of talk about who just missed out. But Nauteote was one that he he didn't make my final list of ten, but he was a, a name that I wrote down as as a possibility to to talk about in this exercise. Yeah, I mean he was recruited like he's a West Coast kid out of Bishop Gorman, which is a football factory. We know that, and he had offers from all the big West coast schools, USC, uh, Oregon, Washington, Utah, all the big programs out in the PAC 12, not really a whole lot of, of noise East of the uh, East of the Mississippi, but I, I think we all have high hopes for him again. We incoming freshmen. We have no idea, but <laughs> like you said, we're throwing darts at a dartboard here, man. I, I respect the pick for my last pick and the last pick here to wrap it up and then we'll recap and, and kind of talk about who just missed out. Uh, another guy who we haven't seen at MSU, another guy who's not on campus right now, but a guy that we talked about earlier in this podcast, Quaveris Crouch. I'm going with the, the true junior incoming transfer from Tennessee. He started 11 games there, 85 tackles, few tackles for loss. He had two rushing touchdowns. He was playing running back a little bit as a freshman. And he was the number 60 overall player in the class of 2019. So he's got the recruiting pedigree. He also came in and started for Tennessee, played early in his career. So, you know, that recruiting profile, um, you know, he at least lived up to that to this point. And I think he can come in and steal a starting job right away. And with that profile, with that athleticism, He's somebody who could, who could, uh, who could make it. So Quaveris Crouch, haven't seen him on campus. He just announced his transfer, you know, earlier this week. So I'll, I'll round out my, my five guys with him. So 
to wrap up recap. Uh, and then we'll talk about some guys that we just missed out on. I have Kalon Gervin, Angelo Gross, Kenneth Walker, Jalen, wait, Kalon Gervin, Angelo Gross, Jalen Naylor, Kenneth Walker, Quaveris Crouch. And that's my, there you line. go. I got Jalen Hunt, Michael Fletcher, Jaden Reed, Xavier Henderson, and Ma'a Nauteote. Yeah, so, so one one big takeaway, right? There are very few. Xavier Henderson, um, I guess you could say, like, the Jalen Naylor has been around, like, playing significant snaps for more than a year. Not a whole lot of guys that, that we've seen a lot of, and maybe that's not a good sign. <laughs> <laughs> We'll see. I mean, we got at the end of the day, what I saw a tweet, I don't remember the exact number, but I think it said like over 40% of Michigan state scholarship players this coming season will be new to the program. So like, it's not all on us. It's not that all of our, you know, existing guys stink. It's just that we got a ton of new guys. I think we were talking before the podcast with these transfers, you're looking at likely six to eight out of 22 starters coming in, replacing uh, somebody else or, or filling a void. So, I mean, when you talk about six to eight of your starting 22 um, being brand new, there's not a whole lot of guys to evaluate. One interesting thing, and I, I, I went back and forth on this. No, I had no offensive lineman on my entire big board. I had and, Jarrett Horst actually. And that was the, yeah. that was the only guy that I felt comfortable enough to put in my top 10. So, Offensive line is an interesting one for me. Honestly, I sat there and I was like, should I, you know, is there somebody I'm missing in there? And it just feels like a lot of guys who are like one or two steps from looking like they have a chance at the NFL. And there's probably five or six guys like that. You've got Duplain and Samak. You've got uh, Horst. You've got a few other guys. Ohanba starting to look really good and has, he's enormous at guard. Um, there's a lot of guys like that, where if they take a step forward and, and things kind of align for them, they could be on this list, but honestly, I had no idea which guy to, to pick. I felt like they were all in a very similar position. Yeah. I, so I'll, I'll run through the names. Basically the way I did this was I, I went through the roster and I just wrote down every name that popped out as like, maybe, I don't know. So I, I wrote down all of those guys. And then from there, I kind of whittled it down and, and took a look at, at each one of them and said, okay, really NFL? Yes or no. And the guys that I had written down that didn't make my top 10, uh, Drew Jordan, the incoming transfer from Duke NFL body. Uh, just, I, I don't think he has that kind of juice as a pass rusher. Maybe not an NFL guy. He'll probably get picked up as a practice squad or something. Jacob Panishuk, I wrote down and then I thought about it and I'm like, man, Kenny Wilkes for all that he did at MSU was a seventh round pick. And that just makes it really hard for me to project Jake, a guy like Jacob Panishuk to the NFL. Deshaun Mallory was one who I was really close on. I think he could, if things work out for Mallory, I, I think he absolutely has the potential to be an NFL guy. I wrote down both of the quarterbacks, Peyton Thorne and Anthony Rousseau. I don't think any of them are either of them are, but Anthony Rousseau had a little bit of NFL buzz at temple just with his, you know, kind of arm talent and those kind of buzzwords. So if he starts this year, has a good year with our receiving core, who knows he could, he could be a late round flyer. And if Peyton Thorne ends up beating him out and becomes like a three, three year starter, three and a half year starter. Yeah. You never know at that point, once you're, a long-term productive college NFL college quarterback, you're going to give yourself a shot. And then I had uh, Chester Kimbrough incoming corner from Florida. Again, a dart throw. We don't really know much about him, but he was a pretty big time recruit tank Brown, the the kid from Minnesota that we mentioned earlier. And then I wrote down JD Duplain and Nick Simak as well. Um, Just guys who I think if, if everything pans out perfectly could give themselves a shot. Yeah, no, I, I agree with all those, all names that I was thinking about. I have a couple more incoming guys I wrote down. Uh, Malik Carr, I think he's got a great uh, combination. That's of, a good I didn't think about him. Yeah, size, speed, strength, and athleticism. Um, a lot to prove, obviously, like we said, shot in the dark, but just the physical 
um, attributes he has, you know, if the coaching is, uh, is a good fit for him, he could really, <laughs> excuse me, try, uh, prosper. And last name, Keon Coleman, um, kind of an interesting case study here. I'm really interested to see how this works out for a lot of different reasons. He's a small town, Louisiana guy. You never know with the small towns, if it's a competition thing or a talent <laughs> thing, uh, could be a diamond I, in the rough. I always go back to everybody that watched, uh, uh, Zion Williamson's high school tape, <laughs> right? Yeah. Like, and, and it was like, okay, yeah, he's great. But also the only thing I'm watching is him against like five foot six white kids. So yeah. <laughs> it was the same yeah. thing with Keon Coleman. Yeah. At the end of the day though, I mean, if you watch a dunk reel uh, on Twitter or whatever, and you just transfer that into the context of being a wide receiver, he has playmaking ability. The dude is an athlete. Um, that's pretty much all we know. We don't know how he is against strong coverage. We don't know how he is in an actual off- college offensive scheme. Tons of question marks. The dude's going to try to play two sports. Kind of feels like a ticking time bomb. Who knows what kind of drama that might cause. <laughs> I don't know. But he's really athletic. Um, definitely intri- an intriguing prospect to keep an eye on. And uh, if all the things that he says he's going to do at MS- MSU pan out, then yeah, he's definitely going to be in the NFL. He's he's the perfect kind of recruit that a a guy in Mel Tucker's situation should bring in because you got nothing to lose and you're you're in your first recruiting class and you're just trying to bring in dudes who might make it. And a guy like Keon Coleman, like you said, he's never played against real competition. Let's just say say what it is, right? You watch his tape. He's going against kids that are just far less athletic uh, compared to him. And you know that that coaching staff based down there in Louisiana basically said their offense is, all right, we're going to try to run the ball. You know, we're going to step, but realistically speaking, you're going to throw the ball to, to number whatever he is. And we're going to hope that he can make enough plays to win this game. And it was that plain and simple. So why not? You know, again, if you're more, if you're Mel Tucker, just you got nothing to lose with these early recruiting classes because everybody knows the situation you're walking into. You absolutely take a shot on a kid like that. So, hey, you you can see the athleticism, the raw athleticism is obvious. The rest of it, who knows? So, two seasons in high school, uh, Keon Coleman had over the course of two seasons 63 receptions. 1743 yards and 30 touchdowns uh 16 wait 63 catches 63 catches 30 touchdowns dear lord so like you said their offense is literally throw key on jump balls and one out of two of them are going to the end zone (laughs) so maybe that'll be our offense i mean last year that was really the only thing working and we were doing it with six foot guys so you throw it to keon coleman at six four with uh you know a a strong vertical who knows but i love um, you know they always talk about those stats where it's like you know, 20 of his 25 catches went for either first downs or touchdowns. <laughs> it's like yep. 30 of his 64 catches went for touchdowns. That's so stupid. Yeah, ridiculous numbers. But yeah, that's everybody I had. I mean, there's a few more guys. Well, I don't know. You, you had a pretty lengthy list. I think you covered a lot of them. I have one more question uh, related, but not the same of all the guys who have left Michigan State's program, which I don't know what the number's at now, somewhere in the 20s, I think, this offseason, which depart, departing player do you think has the best chance, given where he's headed, given his career so far, how much eligibility he has left, whatever, which departing player do you think has the best shot at finding his himself hearing his name called on draft night someday? Yeah, I, I I just counted them up in my head as you were reading the question. We got 25 guys who have entered the transfer portal from MSU uh, departing. So I think the answer is pretty obvious here, to be honest. And it's somebody you that said this. You said that before we started, and now I'm really nervous because I'm like, I don't think it's that obvious. But anyway, <laughs> take it away. Well, it's it's a guy that was constantly talked about as 
the best athlete on the team going into 2020, uh, going into 2020, the guy that we thought was going to be kind of one of those program cornerstones. And just for whatever reason, I, I don't think we'll ever hear the full story behind it. Didn't work out. And I think it's Julian Barnett. I, I think his, he was so, because with Devonte Dobbs, I think would be the other one you look at or, or, I don't know, maybe, uh, maybe like a Chris Jackson, but Devonte Dobbs, we just, we never really saw it on the field with Julian Barnett. We saw it as a true freshman. He came in there. He had 182 receiving yards playing a position that, that wasn't, you know, his best position. And we thought, okay, we see the athleticism is obvious. Now we just need to put him in his better position, which is the defensive backfield. And we got another first round pick on our hands and it just, didn't work out. Like you go back to that Indiana game. I, I reference this all the time. We had three starting defensive backs that were out and he still barely touched the field. So something went on behind the scenes. We'll never hear the full story, but uh, I was watching some clips actually of Julian Barnett at Memphis, uh, their spring game and their spring practices. And he seems to be having just a ball there. Like he, he was doing some interviews. He's, he was having some fun with the crowd uh, he, he seems like he's in a good place there. So he's somebody that I'll be rooting for, for sure. And somebody who's just athletic enough that if, if they give him the ball as a wide receiver, if, if they put him, put him at corner, I think he's definitely somebody who has NFL type traits and potential. Okay. Sigh of relief. That is the name I wrote down as well. It was obvious enough, apparently, that we both picked him. I agree. I mean, he's athletic. I think he's going to a perfect home, a high-level group of five school where he's going to be playing against a little bit lower uh, talent level on average, which will allow him to flourish a little bit more. He's certainly going to find a home as a starter somewhere on Memphis team, given his versatility. I mean, you can play him three, four different positions. Um, Yeah, I think just he's one of the only guys who's leaving that it felt like he still had a lot of potential to show and it just never aligned. A lot of the other guys just kind of got washed out from other, other dudes taking up space on the depth chart. Barnett just always felt like he didn't really fit in any of the spots. We put him fully and just never, you know, attained or found his potential. So best of luck to him. Definitely rooting for him. Davion Williams and Devonte Dobbs, a couple more uh, guys from the same high school were, were a couple names that I stopped on for a couple seconds. Um, and then of course you've got Rocky Lombardi, who we all expect to be a first round oh, pick. But... <laughs> <laughs> don't, don't even, I'm not in the mood. <laughs> um, no, I, like you made a good point too, though, with going back to Barnett, like going to Memphis, you're playing in the AAC, which is a good conference. You're going to be playing against a UCF, a Houston uh, Temple, some of these higher level G5 teams that we see year in, year out playing in, in pretty prime time slots. And they have a home and home and not a home. and Yeah, they have a home and home with uh, Mississippi State. So you got an SEC okay. school on the schedule there, um, which is always good for for your tape evaluation by the time it gets to the NFL. They want to see how you do against high-level competition, playing against a team like Mississippi State. If he can play well in, in that type of environment, um, that'll definitely help him out. So, yeah, I think Julian Barnett, I think it's, it's a pretty clear, obvious answer, too. Hopefully um, he can excel out there. Always rooting for our f- former or current Spartan Dogs whether that's a guy like Julian Barnett transferring out of the program, whether that's a guy like Shakur Brown, who is a, an undrafted free agent with the Pittsburgh Steelers, whether it's a guy like Naquan Jones, who signed a, an undrafted free agent contract with the Tennessee Titans, or whether it's our boy Antoine Simmons, a guy that I will be rooting especially hard for, who is still out there, who is still waiting for a team to figure out just how damn good of a football player he is and uh and and give him a a shot at making an nfl roster so anything else here before we get out of here and and let the people get back to their uh work week no we're we're officially back in 
another kind of doldrum of the calendar. Uh, we yeah, went the, through the spring one. stuff was fun while it lasted. We had yeah. content for a little while. Yeah, from like what mid January until uh, late March, we were kind of dead in the water there, and we're we're headed back. But uh, there's, I feel like a little more chatter. I think we'll continue to get some updates here and there throughout the next couple months that are exciting. And uh, and then we'll be into fall camp, which will be an exciting time for us. So um, we'll be getting creative with our topics going forward. We got a few ideas. If you have ideas, we're obviously always open to it. We'll probably throw a mailbag out again in the next couple of weeks, Uh, but no excited to continue on towards our first full season with Mel Tucker. So standingroomspartans.com, follow on Twitter at standingroommsu, follow Scott at spartanmartin18. You can head over to the Instagram, standingroomspartans, uh, and, and always please subscribe on Apple Podcasts, subscribe on Spotify, wherever you're listening. And if you could, please share the podcast with a friend of yours who you know is an MSU fan, who you know is looking for some Michigan State football content around the calendar. We are always welcome to some new listeners, to some new guests, and uh, trying to build this thing up as best we can about a year and a couple months here since we started this thing independently. So have a fantastic Monday. Have a fantastic rest of your week, and we will talk to you soon. Go green. Go white. Take care, folks.